Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We're in a series called The Passion. This is where we are examining the final moments and days of Jesus' life leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection. Today, I wanna talk to you about the subject of friendship with God. We find Jesus gather his disciples together in the upper room, and he has this to say to them. He says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. One more verse, Romans chapter five says this, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Come on, let's pray together. God, I pray that right now you come and you speak to us, God. Every home, every apartment, every person listening to this message, I pray the Holy Spirit speaks your own message, God, right to their life. Thank you, Jesus that you are for us and you are with us even now in this moment. Come and speak in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, in this time of social distancing, one of the questions that we're wrestling with is what does friendship look like over distance? What does it look like to have a connection in a time of seeming disconnection? My son is four years old and he's best friends with his great-grandmother. When, uh, when he was born, she decided to buy both of them uh, little toys, like toy animals, so that they could play together, even over distance. She lives in upstate New York. He lives here in Rhode Island. And so she, he's got a whole zoo here of all different animals. And every day he FaceTimes with her and shows off the new toys that she bought him. They talk about all the different animals and he knows every single thing about them. And it's a pretty brilliant way for them to stay connected over distance. And a great friendship has blossomed between the two of them. One day, my wife said to Judah, you have to go upstairs and it's time for you to have quiet time. You can play alone in your room for a little bit but he didn't want to stop talking to his great-grandmother. So Judah took my wife's phone and he put it in, the, in his own little basket and he tried to sneak it up the stairs into his room so that he could continue to play with his great-grandmother. We see this beautiful connection between these two. In fact, the first time that they ever met, I'll never forget it, we brought him to her house in upstate, and he opens the door, runs in, they start playing, he finds the toys that she has, and, and they're playing together for the first time physically. It was so interesting to see people who were best friends meet for the very first time. Now, I want you to know, Jesus, he came to establish friendship with you. He's not a distant God. He's not a long way off. He's, he's not cold to you or angry with you or frustrated with you. He's not a God that wants to keep you in isolation. No, Jesus did everything he could possibly do so that there could be friendship between you and him. And distance doesn't necessarily mean there has to be disconnection. God will cross the dimensions so that he can be close to you. And one day when Jesus returns, you are going to recognize your very best friend. You say, you're the one, Jesus, 
that spoke to me. You're the one that was there in all of those moments. The Bible says that Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. There's going to be that moment either when, when you die and you meet Jesus or when it's his second coming that you're going to hear him and you're going to see him and you're going to have already known him. You were the one all along that I had connection with. We see Jesus in this story with his disciples gathering them together for the Last Supper. Jesus is headed towards the cross where he's going to be betrayed by his friend Judas and and he's going to be crucified by the crowd. And so he kind of gets alone with his disciples and he has this beautiful thing to say to them. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. I've chosen you as my friend. Jesus is putting a new identification on his disciples. He's saying, if you are a follower of me, that there's something new being conferred on you, you're also going to be a friend of mine. Isn't that a mind-blowing concept? I mean, think about it. I know sometimes we're used to it. You know, we know John 3, 16, we know about God's love, and we know about God's friendship, but, but really think about it. The creator of the universe, the one that breathed the stars, the one that rules the cosmos, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the one that's omniscient and omnipresent, the one with all power and all might. We're talking about God all by himself. That God not only knows you, and he knows all of your idiosyncrasies. He knows all your weird stuff. He knows all your failures. He knows you fully, that he not only knows you, but he loves you. And more than loves you, he likes you. That God wants to be friends with you. He wants to have a connection with you. In fact, that's why Jesus came. He left heaven and came to earth so that there could be a connection. It's amazing to consider this, that God loves you that much, but he wants to talk. He wants to reestablish what, what Adam and Eve broke in the garden when they severed connection with their sin. God wants to reestablish that just so he can be around you. He doesn't want you to be isolated from him. He wants you and him to share presence. He wants to be with you. I mean, can you imagine if Tom Brady called you up you know, I know that that hurts a little bit right now. That stings a little too deep. So let's, let's change. Let's find another goat. Can you imagine if, if Michael Jordan just wanted to talk to you? Can you imagine if he just called you up just to see how you were doing? How's life? Can you imagine if he was just texting you, talking about the news, kind of talking about what's going on lately? I mean, wouldn't you feel special? I mean, could you imagine if someone like that wanted to know someone like you? And yet the greatest of all time really does want to know you. He does want to connect with you. He does want to have conversations with you. And, and, and more than that, he wants to help you through your trials and through what you're going through. He, he wants to hear about your burdens. He wants to help you through your suffering. God is a God that wants to establish connection to you for you. It's amazing to consider that God considers you. I mean, look at what it says here in Psalms. It says, what is man? that you are mindful of him, and the son of man, that you visit him. Psalmist is considering the same thing, saying, who am I, God, that you would even know me, that you'd be thinking about me, and that more than that, you'd visit me, you'd, you'd, you'd break my isolation and come into my presence and into my room. God, you're so good. When everyone else abandons me, you come towards me. 
When everyone else betrays me, you forgive me. When everyone else forgets me, you're thinking about me. That is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. A brother that was born for a time of adversity. That is the kind of friend that no human could ever be. And yet God wants to be. He wants to be your friend. When Jesus was on earth, he had a friend named Lazarus. And Lazarus had become very sick. So his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent a letter to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, the one that you love has become sick. Lord, the one that you love is sick. I want you to know, just because you're sick does not mean you are unloved by God. I know sometimes we can see sickness through the lens of superstition. We, 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 if we're not careful, we can begin to believe in karma Christianity. That because we did something wrong, that's why we're being punished. That, that, that this sickness might have even been sent from God, but I want you to know that it's, that it's not God's punishment to cause you to be sick. He already took our punishment, and he took our judgment on the cross. No, when you are sick, it does not mean that you are unloved. In fact, the Bible says he draws close to the brokenhearted. He draws close to those that are desperately in need of him. If that's you in this place, don't believe him for a second the lie of the enemy that says you deserve this or you cause this. No sickness will touch everyone, but I believe God's healing presence, his salvation can touch everyone as well. God is a healer. He's been a healer, and I believe he is still a healer. The Bible says in James, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. That's what God's saying. He's saying if, if sin's involved, so is mercy. And if sickness is involved, so is healing. You know, I know that many of you on this stream right now are sick. Obviously, this world right now is dealing with sickness and plague. And I just want to take a moment right now and pray this verse over your life. All of you who are sick, maybe it's in your body, maybe it's in your mind. Whatever you're dealing with right now, I believe that God wants to intervene. So let's pray together. God, right now we lift up all those that have sickness in their minds, sickness in their body. God, we declare your words of healing over them. God, I pray even right now that your hand begins to move on their behalf, that you give wisdom to their doctors, God, that their body begins to come into alignment right now. And God, we lift up together, pray with me, we lift up the whole world right now. God, through this plague and through these trials and tribulations, God, may your presence come. May your grace be poured out. May your mercy be dispensed. God, I pray that your love begins to cover the earth, Lord God. And I pray that through all of this, somehow you work it together for good. And God, that you get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. But what about when God doesn't heal? What about the times where the sickness does end in death? Was it because there wasn't enough faith in that moment? Was it because you didn't pray the right prayer? Or maybe you didn't pray enough? Or maybe that's the moment where you say, is God angry? Because sometimes sickness does end in death, and we have to know, what do we believe about that moment? Is it God pouring out his wrath on us? And this is what we see happen with Lazarus. Lazarus died before Jesus arrived to his home. And we see two different reactions from the sisters. 
Obviously, they had been hurting. They felt forgotten. They were desperate for Jesus, and yet he was nowhere to be found. It seemed as if God was distant, as if he was a long way off. And when he finally showed up, it seemed too late. Mary's reaction was an emotional one. She's hurt. She's frustrated. She's confused that the one that they loved and the one they knew loved them wasn't there when they felt like they needed him. And so she allows that pain and she allows that hurt to keep her from Jesus. She knows Jesus. She still believes in Jesus. She still loves Jesus. And yet she can't bring herself to approach Jesus again. And so her hurt leads her to hide. It isn't that true for many of us. When we encounter situations that are uncomfortable or things that we can't really understand if we're not careful, our hurt or our pain, even with God, can lead us to try and hide from God. And sometimes it's pain that we even self-inflict. Think about Adam and Eve. When they were in the garden, they sinned and they brought the pain on themselves. And what was their reaction but hiding from God? Hurt always leads to hiding. And here, She's distant from Jesus as Jesus is saying, I'm here. I want to speak to you. I want to talk to you. He's never the one that draws far away from us. It's, it's always us that draws far away from him. God's never the one that grows distant. It's always us. And sometimes we justify it. Sometimes we say, well, you know, maybe God deserves it because I thought he was going to do this. And because he didn't, I feel like I can't trust right now. I feel like there's hurt right now. And so Mary avoids Jesus. Martha had a different reaction. She was a little bit stronger. She had a servant's heart. She gets up and goes out of the home to meet Jesus. And when she sees him, she, she, she reacts in, in, in a powerful way. She asks him, where were you? She, she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And here's where the faith kicks in. She says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She asks Jesus, where were you? Where were you? If you had just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you would have just been here, my dad wouldn't have walked out. If you would have just been here, this crisis wouldn't have happened. Where were you, God? Where were you in that hospital room? Where were you, God, when this sickness came on me? Where were you, God, when I had this panic attack? If you had just been here, things would have been different. You can hear the pain in Martha's voice. And yet you see her still trying to engage her faith because she loves God. She knows God. She says, even now, God, I, I feel like you can do something. I know you haven't forgotten us because you're still here. God, will you move? Jesus says to Martha, Lazarus will rise. And here she says, I, I know God, I know on the last day. I know he'll rise on the last day. She has faith, but she doesn't feel it. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you believe in God, but you don't feel like you believe. You've got faith, but you don't feel like you're filled with faith. This is where Martha's saying, this is what I believe, but it doesn't really help me right now. I know I'll see Lazarus then, but right now I'm hurting. I, I, I know one day there will be good, but, but right now it, 
seems like there's only confusion. I know you've got a future, but right now I, I can only think about this failure. Here Martha is trying to have faith, and yet she, she feels like she's falling short. She says, I know there'll be resurrection, God. I know. She's coming to terms with it. And Jesus, he steps right into the middle of the conversation. He almost interrupts her. He says, Martha, not only will he be resurrected one day, he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He reveals his true nature in this moment because he says, in the end, when there is resurrection, that's gonna be me. But I'm here right now as well. And I've got the same power because I don't just resurrect myself. I bring resurrection wherever I go. I want you to know our hope is in a person and that person's name is Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in an institution. Our hope is not in government. Our hope is not in our health. Our hope is not in our bank account. And our hope is not in a building. Our hope is in a man, the one man that would do anything for relationship with you. He crossed the universe for friendship with you. He loves you so much that he laid down his life for you. He alone is worthy of our hope. He alone is worthy of our lives. And Jesus says this, he goes on and says, and now whoever believes in me, though he die, he will live. Why? Because our faith is in the one that not only resurrected, is the resurrector, and he will resurrect you as he himself was resurrected. His tomb isn't gonna be the only empty one. Ours will be too, because of what Jesus did on the cross on our behalf. And so death to a Christian is a temporary transition, not a final conclusion. Jesus even likens death over and over in the New Testament to sleeping, because really, it's just a passing over from life to life more abundantly. Jesus comes before the tomb of Lazarus and he says, Lazarus, come forth. You know, many preachers note that Jesus had to use the name Lazarus or every single person in every single grave would come out. That's the power that Jesus has. One day you will hear your name being called from your grave. Julie, Mary, Benjamin, come forth. You will hear your name be called and you will rise with the saints and there will be Jesus, your friend, your resurrector, your savior and your hope. And you will be meeting your best friend for the very first time. You will recognize him and he will recognize you. All those that are followers of Jesus Christ have something to look forward to, that the end is not the end. The end is the beginning. It's what we are hoping for and looking towards with great expectation, life and life more abundantly. He won't just be your God, he'll be your friend. Look at what it says in Romans 5. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you wanna learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.